Hello again everybody, this is uh, Jason Powers. Uh, today we'll explore the ongoing uh, crushing of Christianity by the neo-Marxists in the Western world. I will play uh, a long segment uh, from a Christian uh, pastor who gave a, a presentation in June of 2018. And hello again, everybody. Um, it's a Saturday. Um, actually, you can um, look at it as the day where um, we prepare for, uh, and we used to go to Saturday Mass. At least I did, me and my mother, or my mother and I. I guess to be uh, correct English um, there. I decided that I um, ran across this on a... Um, Discord. One of my friends had uh, po posted uh, up this particular presentation. This is from uh, a conference given called the GAFCON GAFCON Conference uh, Jerusalem 2018 by Dr. G. Ashton, spelled Ash uh, E N D E N. So it's kind of hard to pronounce. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and play his uh, presentations. It's just under 20 minutes long, and uh, I think it's very um, I guess wise and prophetic, um, because we're experiencing it in, in the in the moment in real time, and I think uh, it's important to uh, grasp what uh, he, he is uh, telling us in this pr presentation. So, Melvin, thank you. It was. It was brilliant. Can you try and get it really well? Thank you. I'm going to try and succinctly add a few things from a slightly different angle because this is a vast and a difficult subject. The other day, my Google alert told me that I was in the news again. I panic a bit when it happens, it's not always welcome. In this case, 
uh, a writer in the Toronto Star had picked up something I'd written and said, Dr. Ashenden is writing about and against cultural Marxism. He's an idiot. There is no such thing. You'll hear a lot of people tell you there is no such thing. It was my experience of reading Solzhenitsyn when I was young that acquainted me with the evils of Marxism and its vitriolic opposition to Judaism and Christianity. I encountered the dictatorship of Marxism as I carried Bibles and theology books behind the Iron Curtain to persecuted Christians. I met the persecuted Christians, I got interrogated by the KGB, I got a very real and dangerous sense of how toxic this totalitarian regime was. I suspect in a few years' time, Russian Christians may be returning the favour and smuggling Bibles to us. In Russia, we saw through the eyes of those who had escaped the censor the assault on the family, on free thought, on worship, on the language of faith, driven, I think, by a terror and a rage against God. The depth and the fury of the repression was proportionate to the fear. Marxism sought to eradicate the longings of the human heart and replace them with a set of particular political values. It was a subversion of human longing, what C.S. Lewis called Zinsucht. The longing the state offered to meet was for political equality of outcome, a redistribution of resources, the new just parent, the state. Except, of course, that within Marxism it failed to deliver an equality of outcome. It failed to deliver a redistribution of resources. It failed even to provide adequate resources. It failed to act as anything but a tyrannical parent for its children, murdering them rather than nurturing or protecting them. For the movement was, of course, demonic in origin and in practice. And the hatred with which it viewed churches, the sacraments, the clergy, and the worshipping body of Christ were a giveaway. Its intention was to eradicate the universal language of love and spiritual longing that God had placed in the human heart to act as a homing device to bring us home, see St. Augustine, and replace it with the language of social justice and the new parent, the state. It's no great surprise one of the first priorities of the new Soviet state in Marxism 1.0 was the destruction of the family as a concept. It's replacing it with the state. The fatherhood of God, the family made up of man and woman engaging as co-agents of creation was attacked and the state took over responsibility for its members and becomes the new family. The longing for love, the possibility that we were created for love and by love and destined for love and for an eternity with our true father was attacked and suppressed by the state in Marxism 1.0 and is and will be in Marxism 2.0. At the same time, there was something called the Frankfurt School, which Melvin has reminded us of. And it was to address the question, what happens if political and economic Marxism 1.0 fails? Marx wasn't a very good economist. So, they said, let's translate our egalitarian and anti-Christian ambitions into a cultural package, a plan to subvert Judeo-Christian culture, which is based on sex, gender, and the family. 
For me, it was a kind of spiritual alarm when I first noticed something that was wrong. It wasn't rational, it wasn't intellectual. It it happened rather like this. I'd never heard of the Frankfurt School. Perhaps many of you haven't heard much about it. But I was working in a highly secular, progressive university as a lecturer in the psychology of religion. And I saw a political and cultural trajectory that was closing down free speech and setting its face to close down Christian values, identity, and ethics. What happens in universities is usually followed by society 10 or 15 years later. And it was as if the same spirit I had encountered in Russia and Czechoslovakia behind the Iron Curtain was representing itself. I recognized the spirit. I didn't understand the ideology. I remember historians saying history was dead because capitalistic democracy had triumphed over Marxism. This was the end of history. They could not have been more wrong. I suddenly became aware that back was the same movement, the same dictatorship, but this time more subtle. Cultural Marxism in the place of political and economic Marxism. No longer dependent on a prophecy or a predication of conflict between the classes, but instead stealing both the longing and the love of humanity and directing them in a trajectory of disobedience and perversion. In the same way that the Marxist state 1.0 attacked the family, so the new Marxism 2.0 is attacking the family. Under the cover of extending human rights to the homosexual community, It is attacking and redefining the family, which in Christian terms is a man and a woman imaging God together, acting as co-agents in creation. The family is no longer about generation, but about sexual and romantic self-expression. As part of the sexualizing of society into a perversion and distortion of God's intentions and revelation. It was not enough for this new movement to set out to capture not only secular society in the West, primarily, it's also set out and it succeeded in capturing the church. Much of the church, Quisling-like, have cooperated with this new movement and they welcome it and they celebrate it. The quiescent church has been taken in by the use of language that it thought it at least recognised, if not owned, but language that has been purloined and given back, redefined, and reworked. And this is the trick. The trick is to use the same words as are consonant with the kingdom of heaven, but always to mean something different by them. So diversity. For Christians, what might it mean? Well, we might understand it as a very good thing, something signifying the unlimited complexity and creativity of God's creation. But perverse diversity means any combination of interests that excludes Christians. It doesn't say so, but that's what it delivers. Tolerance for Christians might mean the elasticity of love that makes a distinction between the sin and the sinner. Loving the sinner with a graced tolerance while hating what poisons him or her. But perverse, progressive tolerance means the celebration and promotion of rebellion against God, particularly in the areas of sexual unholiness and the exclusion of Christian values. Inclusion. 
for Christians is the ambition that there are no places where the mercy of God will not stretch, inviting people to turn and to be held by the Good Shepherd who will carry them home. Perverse inclusion is the overturning of Christ's teaching by celebrating what he warned us to avoid and to detest, and in particular, the perversion to pour out of the corrupt human heart that defile the soul, and, as with all of the others, the exclusion of Christian values. Equality is scarcely a term that really exists within the Christian framework, since, for example, God favours Israel over all other nations. God prefers the spirituality of the poor to the complacent. He prefers the penitent to the self-sufficient. He prefers the committed to the lackadaisical. To those who accomplish, Jesus says, more will be given. There is very little equality, if any, in the New Testament. But if it means anything for Christians, it means that people are equally dislocated by the fractured human condition, sin, from the holiness of God, or that no category of humanity qualifies for special treatment. But perverse equality means overturning the hierarchies of God, for only the existence of a hierarchy can allow for it to be turned upside down in humility, which is what we have in the Incarnation. There can be no humility with equality, no self-giving, no kenosis, no incarnation, just a flat, equal rights horizon. And even if it wasn't the case that equality only ever works with numbers, and never, even if that wasn't the case, equality only ever works with numbers and not for values. There can be no spiritual discrimination with equality. There's nothing to choose between. No discernment of the difference between good and evil. Equality, progressive equality, strips the faith of its inner workings, which is one reason why it's so dangerous. But Christians have become secularized and have bought into this fake idea of progress. The only progress we have in the teleological scriptures is the progress towards the kingdom of heaven, not the progress towards utopia on earth. Anglicanism has always misunderstood, well has recently misunderstood, the threefold gifts of scripture, tradition and reason that Hooker articulated so clearly in his ecclesiastical polity because reason for Hooker wasn't rationality. It was the application of scripture over against an argument by the Puritans who wouldn't allow anything that wasn't in scripture. But Hooker said, well, building roads isn't in scripture, but we need to find a way of doing things that scripture doesn't specifically proclaim and, that's, and we use reason to do it. We've taken this reason of Hooker's and turned it into the worship of enlightenment rationality, which is why the church has been able to so deceive itself. Rationalism doesn't get the spiritual conflict. It doesn't get the complexity of the way in which the prince of this world and the source of perversity and evil wages war against humanity. Much of rational Anglicanism doesn't get the metaphysics of the kingdom. And so secularized Christians have no immunity against the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. By swallowing the values and the language of cultural Marxism, Christians have deprived themselves of the protection they needed in the spiritual and cosmic struggle against evil. What evil aspires to do is to inhabit the structure of faith by twisting the language the church uses so that it represents its values and not those of the kingdom of heaven. And in the Church of England, this has largely been achieved. Good disagreement 
is the relativization of the absolute values of the kingdom and a transparent example of that. With no discrimination and no discernment, it can't see what Islam is, a repudiation of Jesus. It can't see what neo-Marxist values are, a repudiation of the values of revelation. What were the stages of this revolution? Four, really. It began with feminism, which led to gay marriage, which led to transgenderism, which will lead to paedophilia. Feminism. Most of us thought it was okay to be good feminists. After all, what was wrong with supporting the just and required equality of women to have the vote? Nothing. What was wrong with supporting women's capacity to work, to have equal wages in the workplace? Nothing. Except that some of us began to wonder whether or not responding to the capitalist imperative would allow them to mother their children. And it turns out that even the Daily Mail thinks that's difficult. Gender has always been theologically pregnant with meaning, ever since the earliest struggles with Canaanite fertility religion and the struggle between sky father and earth mother, transcendence and imminence. Gender matters because Jesus came to show us the Father, not an amorphous creative energy. The first thing that the feminist women deans do when they get into their cathedrals is to strip out the language of Father, Son and Holy Spirit, for they've all been trained to be good feminists and against the patriarchy. But if you're against the patriarchy, it's very hard to allow Jesus to reconcile you to the Father. Gender matters because third wave feminism engaged itself in a repudiation of gender, a reimagining of gender, a setting up of the human imagination as being the deciding factor of what gender was. Once the sacraments were captured by interchangeability, by equality, an idea of equality was let loose like a software virus in a computer system and it led on inexorable, inexorably to the eradication of the distinction between men and women, not just behind the altar, but also in marriage. The latest Canadian propaganda. Well, well, sorry, once you accept equality as your driving force, it's very hard after you've accepted equality and feminism, not to accept the equality of the reimagining for transgender people. And it turns out that transgenderism is part of a, of a, of a platform to sexualize our children. So that recently some of you may have seen a piece of propaganda set up by the Canadian government where a group of happy children are being taught by a teacher to become allies of the LGBT movement. But you can't become allies of, LGB, of an LGBT movement unless you understand that these identities are based upon the sexualization of people. It's about sexual appetites and romantic appetites. How do you tell a child that's eight that it needs to be an ally of the sexual appetites of a grown-up without drawing that child into the world of sexual and romantic appetites? And once you've drawn a child into the world of romantic and sexual appetites, who is to say that it does not consent? And so you have paedophilia. It began with feminism. It became gay marriage. It morphed into transgenderism. And now it's paedophilia. And when you see your children seduced into paedophilia, our social children, you may lament that you accepted transgenderism. You may lament you didn't do enough to resist gay marriage. 
You may lament you didn't understand the Trojan horse of feminism, but it will be, it is, too late. One of the things that Marxism does is to tell neo-Marxism does is to tell us that our definition is one of collective identity. Political, not theological concept. Cultural Marxism defines you by groups, identity politics. Scripture tells us we are forbidden to put an adjective in front of Christian. In Galatians chapter 3, St. Paul says there is no male or female, no Roman or Greek, no slave or, or master. But what he means to do there is to say Jesus has mended the antipathies. These were the angers, these were the rages, these were the groups that were dislocated from one another. But contemporary progressive Christianity has taken this text and said, here is our mandate for rubbing out any distinction between gender. It's a completely misleading interpretation of scripture. Paul didn't mean anything like that. But how many people have swallowed that verse hook, line and sinker to say there is nothing predicated in a theology of gender? I was for about 10 years an LGBT activist because I put compassion at the head of my values. I had no idea that what I was dealing with was a direct assault on the revelation of God the Father through the manipulation of gender. I had no idea that the feminism, about that feminism which I have assumed was a just readjustment to injustice would be used as a jemmy to break the church away from its reliance on scripture and on tradition, which is a memory of the Holy Spirit handed on from one generation to another. But society and church have bought into this worldview which entirely replaces Christian identity and cosmology. Can we resist it? We're going to try. We have to pray and do it with ideology. But in my judgment, we have lost already. It's too far gone. Recently, Robert Gagnon was thrown off Facebook. You already, each of us in this theatre, almost certainly break the terms and conditions that Facebook, YouTube and Twitter have for their users. So like Robert Gagnon last week, we will be thrown off social media. We are already breaking the law in England with hate crime, simply by inviting people to repent or they may go to hell. We are illegal already and we no longer qualify for social media. It's only a matter of time before it's imposed. The Benedict option may be the way forward. A church of the catacombs, to withdraw from the fake church, which has been fatally compromised, and to go underground, networked, which is where the church began when it last faced a dangerously repressive culture determined to persecute the church. We will argue for as long as God gives us light and oxygen to do so, but we must prepare for the future. Thank you. So I think he covered that very well in terms of um, expressing uh, his opinion on and actually a breakdown of the trek that we have seen with the neo-Marxists or the cultural Marxists, I guess, the Frank of the Frankfurt School where they exchanged or did the did the swap from class because in America in particular in the Western world uh, more broadly uh, the idea of race has been interjected along with gender at least immediately like I said this was from June 2018 
and it's only escalated since then. But there are some echoes that I wanted to play, and there's uh, some names that maybe are familiar to people who are uh, more, even more astute than myself uh, with regards to history. So uh, it just so happened that this came up on my uh, feed about Jim Jones, the Jonestown Massacre. And Jonestown was actually a Christian, was a sect that originated in California, San Francisco, amongst other places. Uh, guys like Jerry Brown, uh, the first lady at the time, uh, during that time frame, like the Fords and um, and whatnot, were involved with uh, Mr. Jones. I'm going to see if I can play a, a section of this, and maybe it's clear enough. If it's not, um, I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's about nine minutes long. I put a link in the description. We'll go from there. Yeah, we should come down to the bar again. Get some guns, get some bombs. We can get this place to go. Some of these corporations here, some board of directors. That was uh, Dick Trope. He was a member of the cult. Shake this whole country for socialism. We could shake it for revolution. To by God, they wouldn't know what to do with it. We can do it. Don't let a foreign image stand in our way or an American Yankee image stand in our way. When folk get to eat, they don't give a shit who's to we are niggers in this country unless we unite under equal sharing and some form of democratic socialism. So, the part of the problem with this video is there's way too much uh, uh, background music, obviously. there. It, in some ways, that could be considered propaganda because it's meant to interject, um, you know, what is ostensibly true is that uh, Joan, Jonestown was a massacre. It involved, actually, uh, later on, uh, there was multiple congressmen. There was a congressman, Ryan, uh, who showed up there and, and actually was supportive of the situation. Uh, the People's Temple, as it was called, um, they had... It was a, a 900 people died in this, including uh, there was a, a congressman, uh, San Francisco Examiner Greg Robinson, Congressman Leo Ryan. He was the he was the lone congressman who died in this, which is pretty uh, um, amazing in, in in regards to that. They had a revolutionary suicide plan, and um, the thing is is. It's like when and this happened in 1978. I was six years old when it took, pla took place. So, like anything else, uh, the fog of history has erased certain things. And, and it just so happens that this originated in, in San Francisco in 1976 is where Jones made his, uh, made his name. He got involved with certain politicians out there at that time, including Jerry Brown. It's quite telling, uh, Mayor. He have have he was a political advisor to Mayor uh, Moscone, um, who was uh, at that time. This is right before, uh, matter of fact, the new mayor, who happens to be Diane, was Diane Feinstein back then. Most of this is original. I, I hate to b break the news to people, but San Francisco has been the is obviously a far leftist city, but it's originated so much of the crises that we see um, in the world today. There's other epicenters like Boston, 
in Seattle. These far left uh, uh, cities, uh, they they literally uh, suck off and abuse their people. They they put them in misery. There's such a stratification in uh, California, especially around Silicon Valley and the San Francisco area and San was it um, San Jose, uh, the place Silicon Valley. Uh, so you have the great wealthy people, the tech. Uh, monopolies and then you have the tragedy of the of the common man in san francisco they they have one of the most they had the most property violence in the united states uh, according to the fbi and that was as of uh, 2019 per per square mile uh it was more than new york that's one of their biggest problems and they and they continue to have this problem and all the democrat cities have this problem this is the debauchery. This is the moral, the relativism, as he's talked about. When you try to egalitarianize society, what you have is nobody has any moral impetus um, to improve themselves, to seek principle, to seek uh, uh, you know a value system that is actually uh, uplifting to them. Instead, they all live in a morass. Um, they decide that. You know, there's no, there's no sense in it. In the state, the state is enforcing this. This is what people who have no idea what's coming towards them are promoting at this moment. They seem to think that they they're going to get, garner some reward for doing this to children, and they are attacking children. That's what CRT is. Uh, it's an attack on it's an attack on the belief systems of the United States. You see it happening day in and day out, whether it be removal of statues, whether it be uh, removal of the, uh, the and you know what the, uh, the they make the they try to make the argument that everything in that uh, everything in the past has to be focused on for everything that was ill and wrong, but everything in the present has to be muddied and uh, relativized. That's the reason why you can they build 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 statues in New York City to George Floyd, and they've been uh, putting up these things about George Floyd. I don't have anything against Mr. Floyd. He perished in an unfortunate circumstance of, in many cases, his own making. He had many case many opportunities in life to improve himself, but he didn't. He spent time in prison. He was passing a, a fake money. He was high as hell as at the time of his uh, 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 arrest. He was on fentanyl. He decided to turn back to drugs, which means he didn't have his life together. So this lionizing of this man and giving him multiple funerals and the media's promotion and portrayal of him and Democratic leaders uh, getting taking a knee and them uh, uh, sledgehammering a, p a police officer for putting his knee on the back on his back whether you say it's on his neck or his shoulder I don't really care you're you're splitting hairs because that's what you do if that's the kind of person you are he didn't die because a guy put his knee on the back of his neck it didn't help I can guarantee that but I won't I won't go as far as saying that that was what that was the proximate cause of his death he wasn't murdered that's a lie, and most people with any common sense know that. Now, could they have done better for him? Absolutely. 
but like anything else the the intersection the the intersection of events there doesn't make make for uh doesn't make for the idea that you should lionize this man in the same token people love to go back and look at general lee and and uh, besmirch and smear him for what he did in the civil war he made a principled choice was it the right choice no but then again there were many choices made during 1860 that were 1860 through 1865 that probably weren't the best choices to be made there were choices made in the 1850s that were led up to that in turn including roger taney who happened to be a catholic a supreme court justice and when they decided on um on um the the rights of uh of a, a slave to save his uh, sue for his freedom basically ostensibly to declare himself not a slave and when that was determined the dred scott case was determined that set into motion certain uh aspects or certain conflicts but the the the, the whole idea of the the floor the the war being fought over that is is not true it's been it was fought over states rights the ability to secede from the union fought over the ability to make their own decisions and to determine whether or not they wanted to uh, have that institution inside their state and commerce and whatnot. Uh, It was a far more complex situation than what it's often given credit for. That being said, we resolved it. We eliminated slavery. Unfortunately, we've had a great deal of many people who ever since that time frame have been trying to reinstitute slavery through the guise of uh, of helping you out. Marxism is nothing but slavery. If you don't know that by now, you better get, get on board with the idea that you're going to be someone's slave if you continue to allow this to happen. Because you're going to be controlled by the state. The state will never disappear. Talking about communism or, or, or Marxism and saying, oh, well, that that isn't real. Com-. Yeah, it isn't real communism. You're never going to achieve that that concept. But then again, all you're doing is trying to send us back 5,000 years to where we're all slaves. And we're going to still be, uh, still be under the thumb of the elite. The elite want that for you. They want to destroy your rights. And you're helping them if you're if you're listening to this broadcast and thinking... That you're going to somehow get something better from uh, listening to these people. You're insane. You're not going to get better. You're not going to achieve anything. Yuri Besmanov has said it. Many people have said it over and over and over again. And for some reason it does not sink into many people's thick skulls. I understand why it doesn't sink into their thick skulls. They have to be told something a hundred times so that they understand it. It doesn't behoove them. There was many of us who also at one time or another believed in egalitarianism and thought that it was a good idea and that, you know, maybe we should help out feminists and maybe we should uh, assist them in their in their situation. The thing is, is if you give an inch, they take a mile. These are the type of people that just they're weak. They are very weak minded. They're very weak spiritually. And they and they think they do things for they do things under the cover of satire and fun and yet it's nothing but malevolence underneath of it all it's because they don't have anything else to offer the world than to be these retarded i honestly retarded people who 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 think that everybody should be as morally relative as they are um but this has been the postmodern objective so i'm going to go on to well one is this uh article from s s 
Fist, which is San Francisco. And I, I don't know, I haven't played the, So if you haven't heard by now, there was this uh, San Francisco gay men chorus who released, they call it a magnificently funny video last week. This is the Marxism that is crept into San Francisco. Well, it hasn't crept in, it's been there for uh, probably 50 or 60 years. But they get compl- they 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 get all upset because they they didn't like the fact that someone did an investigation and found out they were actual actual sex offenders inside this video, and so I'm not going to play it, but I'm going to leave the link in the description to it, and you can read it. And they they make it like they they always uh they always per- they always try to protect themselves under the guise of oh I'm being hurt you're not allowing me to be me, uh no. There is a moral. There is a moral fiber that you uh, are supposed to have inside yourself, and the fact is, is you know, whatever your weaknesses are, you shouldn't be projecting them and thinking they're good things. This is just a, the moral depravity of society. Because next thing you know, uh, they'll they're they're they actually are going to go after your kids, and we know they already are. They have a library story time with uh, transgenderism, and that priest uh, uh, or the minister was I'm sorry, priest a minister was talking to that uh, specifically. He said that there was going to be a significant uh, amount of censorship, and he's been right. He was right about that too. When he ended his speech, he was talking about Facebook and Twitter and whatnot doing the censoring. So I'm going to just uh, move on to another article which talks about the philosopher Michel Foucault, who, as many have said, this was uh, from several months ago, April 7th of 2021. It's on Life Site, uh, Life Site News, which I'll leave a link. Again, I'll leave another link in the description uh, to that article. So the idea here is that our our, um, the the guy who was quote unquote the I guess you could say the intellectual engine and he used to have uh, these uh, discussions with people I I can't remember his name um, philosophers uh, uh, what's his face one of the he'd have uh, intellectual discussions with the other leftists as far as I'm concerned because uh, um, that's the only p- people that will ever argue with. And it was all more rel- uh, all these relativism and postmodernism. So I'm going to read a bit a bit of this because so, uh, it's it actually tracks down the history here. Quote: Almost without exception, the architects of the sexual revolution have proven to be reckless hedonists, and in many cases, sex criminals who took their theories of pelvic liberation to horrifying but logical conclusions. It is long past time that we re-examine the history of our cultural transformation in light of these facts. Alfred Kinsey was a voracious sadomasochistic bisexual who shot illegal porn movies in his attic. Marriage-hopping Margaret Mead also had an affair with a female colleague. Hugh Hefner was a notorious pervert with alleged fascination with bestiality. It has been, it, and it has been long known that Michel Foucault the French celebrity intellectual and post-structuralist uh, philosopher was an unapologetic hedonist. A sadomasochist, Foucault was one of the first publicly out figures and died of AIDS in Paris in 1984. Foucault is, unfortunately, one of the most influential philosophers of our era, the founder of wokeness, 
the father of critical race theory, and the man who lent academic credibility to progressive activists and politicians. His work was the inspiration for queer theory, as Foucault frequently argued that sexuality existed on a spectrum and that sexuality was socially constructed. Naturally, this meant that there was nothing unnatural or wrong in the realm of sex. In fact, in 1977, Foucault was signing a petition called the legalization of sex with 13-year-old children. Thus, it should be no surprise that new evidence has been uncovered indicating that the French philosopher may have been a pedophile rapist. According to an article uh, published by the Sunday Times on March 28th, the philosopher Michel Foucault, a beacon of today's woke ideology, has become the latest prominent French figure to face a retrospective reckoning for sexually abusing children. A fellow intellectual, Guy Sorman, has unleashed a storm amongst Parisian intellectual intellectos, <laughs> I can't even pronounce it, with his claim that the Foucault, who died in 1984 at age 57, was a pedophile rapist, who had sex with Arab children while living in Tunisia in the late 1960s. So that's the allegation. And uh, talked about how he was throwing money at the at them and, and setting up rendezvous with them. And they would, they would go to cemeteries with the young boys and whatnot. It's a very, you know, a very lurid and probably very detailed in many respects. However, I'm not going to... Further try to try to ascertain whether this is absolutely the truth because you know I'm not the one that's convicting him. It would have been it would have been um, he even admitted he said I he was uh, talking about uh, outing him. There was an unfortunate problem with this because his own failure to report as he said quote Sorman called his own failure to report Foucault to the police extremely morally ugly and these allegations were the first laid out in his new book, My Dictionary of Bullshit, came at a time when many elite figures had been facing accusations of sexual misconduct and child abuse. So, this is the way they always go. The idea is to sexualize, destroy the family, uh, uh, instead of having any moral clarity or moral standards or principles that you stand on, this isn't to say that principles are are uh, uh, are going to be 100% always followed without exception, but this isn't a principle that's even diff- this isn't one of those principles. This is an obvious obvious thing. You should not be violating children. You should not be attacking them. You shouldn't be using uh, exploring your deviancy through through their through their vulnerability through their innocence. See, this is these are people that they they have nothing to offer the world other than other than vapid ideas, you know, destruction of society. It's because inside, and I I suspect Michel Foucault, if you if you could ever could have ever cornered him while he was alive, he was a very empty, soulless person. And I I watched an interview uh, or it was a debate. He had with um, I forget who I can't remember his name. He's one of the top philosophers. He he did a requiem, was it requiem for a dream or some or something about that? He wrote the book on manufactured cons- consent or whatever. I can't I can't remember his name. He's always lauded by the left. The left love him love him to no end. 
and and I feel bad for not, his name escapes me at this time. I'm not going to pretend that I've read his work, uh, though I have seen him talk about and discuss things. And even he's had his uh, um, problems with, especially the social justice atmosphere, uh, particularly from the the continent of Africa, if I can remember right, was the interview he was being talked about, and he talked about having discussions with, I would say, people he thought were of a lesser light than himself. But this is this has been going on for many a many a year, and it's culminating here in 2021 as um, the um, takeover of the United States was done by our Marxist uh, 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 people, uh, not only from the China but also from inside our own DC apparatus, because they work together. They've been working together for many years. The more and more we go down that road, the more and more we realize that most of us have been hijacked by these people uh, to destroy the Western world, to destroy your freedoms, to take away everything you've ever had. And there are people out there that are such such evil, I call them evil people, they are, because they want to steal from people. They, they, they talk about reparations, they talk about all these, these uh, concepts uh, and, and they write and they have people write articles for like the New York Times and others and they talk about well what would this look like? What would it look like? What let's reimagine. It's all this linguistic bullshit. It's meant to psychologically uh, uh, get people thinking that they're going to get something for this. You're not getting anything. You're going to destroy everything and they'll say well it's because of capitalism that just got us into this mess no it wasn't capitalism that got us into this mess it's called this uh, uh, this conglomeration between government and corporatism and this cronyism that goes on where we allow people like Hunter Biden to sell his paintings for a half million dollars and call it and call it his his paintings artwork while he's sitting on the board of directors of some uh, far off Ukrainian company and getting doing deals in China, and we don't seem to think that there's any any corruption at all there, and yet we're letting this go. Meanwhile, they'll investigate Trump and his attorney and his CFO to the ends of the earth. They'll keep on throwing uh, throwing uh, lawsuits out there and perp walking them and doing all this other garbage, because this is how malevolent the deep state has become. This is how evil these people have actually truly become. This is the reason why. Many of us no longer have any respect for our government. They have there's no respect for the, the Biden administration whatsoever. They've employed extremists and ideologues. The people that they have in the Democratic Party have no no connection whatsoever to their people. The AOCs, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Ilhan Omar's, the uh, Rashida Tlaib's, all women, by the way. They all turn out to be, they're nothing but just empty-headed idiots. They have no, no, they have no cognitive skills whatsoever when it comes to actually being a part of a government. They're not going to provide anything for people. The only thing they can do is say, ooh, print more money. And then they cr- come up with these crazy schemes so that they can uh, hijack our government and steal from us. They're stealing and they get away with it because now they have the military there to protect them because they're using them. That's the reason why they're introducing CRT because they're trying to create their socialist army so they can march out and take over this country bit by bit. The last bastion of hope is our state, state legislatures 
because they don't own those yet. Uh, despite all their rigging of the uh, the 2020 election, they didn't. They couldn't rig all the state. Uh, they couldn't rig all the lower level uh, state elections. But they'll probably work on that too. And and while we're talking about it, they're, uh, the GOP is filled with nothing but traitors to our country. They're actually even more more despicable than even the Democrats, because at least the Democrats, you know what they are. The GOP are, are traitors. They're, they're the people that will backstab this entire nation. Uh, so that makes it makes them even more complicit in the in this because they know, but they sh- they were supposedly have principle, but they're not. They're just Democrats. They're just Democrats who ran as uh, Republicans. And by the way, I mean. At this point, it's not a it's not a two party system. It should have never been a two party system. There were people that were talking about that at the very outset of our nation that a party system would always devolve into this kind of thing, where there really aren't any difference between the two. They're the neocons and the neolibs are the same same people who are selling and hawking this uh, hawking these new concepts and trying to cater to and appease their leftist idiots in, in Congress and their leftist idiots that they the foot soldiers they put on the street in order to take over this country and intimidate and threaten actual average hardworking people who are just trying to do their job and actually want to have a family and do want their kids to have an education and do want their kids to succeed um, uh, more substantially than it, their own. But of course we have these undermining forces between the feminists and the the Marxist and the uh, the CCP, who uh, you know, we have internal and external forces that are trying to drive wedges between all of us through a divide and conquer scheme that they continue to to ascertain on us. Um, this is coming to a head, and it has come to a head, and the and, and we can't ignore it. So it's hopeful that our our people at the very um, what would you say? The people at the very uh, local level will uh, continue to fight on and organize and stop this, because every 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 school district, every you know city, every locality needs to erase this stuff from the, uh, our curriculum. This poisoning of our history, this poisoning of our, the American experience. You know, there used to be just. 10, 20 years ago, there were, uh, you know, uh, lots of uh, uh, PBS uh, broadcasts that talked about the American experience in, in relatively decent terms. I can't imagine what PBS is like now because it's probably owned by the Marxist. But nevertheless, they used to have some kind of uh, uh, evenness to what they probably presented. Now I can I can imagine that they're re reimagining everything and, and, and bringing on those hard leftist uh, professors who who judge everything through their lens of their stupidity in order to determine that you know people 200 years ago weren't too smart well it's easy for them to say such things from their position of 200 years uh, prior sitting on their cell phone and sitting in front of their computer typing up things that they people 200 years ago would have never imagined but uh, of course you know being able to ascertain that the amount of progress that we've made over the past 200 years is magnificent while they're trying to take us back to night you know to the 1700s and, and basically reinstitute slavery throughout the western world is just mind-bogglingly stupid for these people to actually 
think that people can't see that, or at least certain people can see this. So I'm going to end it on that note. I've I've talked I've talked too long, and probably you could have trimmed about ten or fifteen minutes out of this broadcast. Anyway, I hope uh, we can all um, listen to the spirit that was uh, mentioned in the threats and understand the threats, and then go ahead from that that um, learning. <clears throat> I think what I was trying to get at with this is that we've had a a series of events that have led to this this position in society through the propagandizing, uh, through the undermining of our institutions, and that many of the people that are currently still sitting there have been inter- uh, undermining our institutions for 30 and 40 years as well. San Francisco was an epicenter of some uh, uh, some of the most tragic events in human history including the Jonestown Massacre. Uh, and we should, we should, re, we should go back and um, reassess the same people who, uh, who, uh, who have been determined to tear down our society and look at how flawed and, and, uh, and actually evil they are. Michel Foucault and uh, Karl Marx... Uh, and a host of others, Betty Friend. There's a there's a, a multitude of people who have interjected things into our society, like Anna Freud, that did nothing but despicable, uh, despicable uh, uh, intent to destroy the fabric of, of the United States of America. I get why they do so. By the way, they resent this country. They've resented this country. Every day that's existed. And I wish they would just stay out. God bless the United States of America. God save the world. Thank you very much. <laughs>